Hi, Sarah. I'm really happy that you agreed to be here with me tonight and to talk publicly. Okay. I always say that all of the credentials that I have for talking about relationships and for teaching about relationships are worthless because I only really have one credential, and that is that I'm in a long-lasting, loving relationship with you and that we're married... 19 plus years now. And that is for me the most important credential that I have to actually talk about anything having to do with, with relationships. So I figured maybe people need to hear from you. Mm. What's your secret? What are the secret uh, relationship tips that you have for people? I don't know if you remember this conversation we had really recently about um, how I feel unqualified to uh, to speak about relationships because um, because I feel like it hasn't really been a struggle. I don't feel like I've earned it enough. Right, and I was saying that because so many other things, and I feel this way as well, that so many other things in our life, we've struggled so much to be able to get to where we are. Right. And that our relationship has like been the gift, like the dessert. Right. Like finally, finally, there's something in my life <clears throat> that I don't have to struggle insanely crazy for. And the opposite, actually. That just like, it just seems to, it's really special. but. I know, I know nobody wants to hear that, right? No, no. I, but I, I think it's something else. I think it's like um, that maybe the way I, I gauge or like um, I, I value things by like effort and input and owning something by really working for it. Um but sometimes maybe even if you're if you're showing up and you're working hard at something it doesn't always have to feel like a burden right and you don't think that our relationship in the past 19 years has been a burden at all no well i agree with you i just i think it's really beautiful <laughs> something else i say a lot is that if you want to get advice from someone, mm -hmm. find someone who has done what you want to do and, have, and has done it successfully. Mm -hmm. And then ask them. Because even if they don't have, they, they may not be a therapist mm -hmm. or they may not have the right credentials to give you advice, but they could go into their experience, mm -hmm. their personal narrative yeah. and their personal experience, and they can glean from that. And that's enough. Like I'd rather get marriage advice from someone who's been in a long lasting and happy relationship mm -hmm. than from someone who's been divorced three times or for someone who's never been married, because right. you can have, you can have all the textbook knowledge about marriage, but if you've never experienced it, okay. it means nothing to you. So what would be, if somebody asked you, for the secret of a long-lasting relationship. Obviously, you don't know what 60 years looks like, but you know what 19 years looks like. That's a long time, 19 years. It's above the national average. So what would be your secret? 
or a secret? Hmm. Good question. Um, I like that you say a secret because that leaves a little bit of of room. Not, it doesn't feel too heavy. Um, but I think maybe just a sense of adventure and curiosity, like being open to what is and um, not getting too stuck on expectations. It's really easy to get down that rabbit hole to be... Um, to get really tied up in what you think needs to be, um, what you think a marriage should look like, what you think your partner should be like or how they should behave or what you feel like you should be getting instead of what is and being open to the surprises and adventures of what is. You might, you might end up with something even better than what you thought you were supposed to get. Yeah. Like somebody said, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. Mm, like totally. There's, there's so many people who are married to an idea. Yeah. Like this is the way it has to be. Mm -hmm. And then the human comes, well, you're not what I was looking for. And I think that any human you're going to be in a long lasting relationship with is not going to be the human you were quote unquote looking for. Right. Because... So that was a theory. That was what you were looking for. And you were young or younger than your current self and mm -hmm. maybe somewhat uh, naive or mm -hmm. somewhat not knowledgeable of what a real relationship looks like. Right. And then a real relationship comes along. Mm -hmm. And then you have to say, well, you know, so, many, so many singles say this to me when they're dating is like, it's not the guy. Because they have this idea in their head that... It's that Basharit. It's that one person. And I mean, that can't be the person. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got to be, he's that one, you know, the one, the one that I've been waiting for. And they have this whole idea. I don't know, even some people like uh, spiritually have this whole idea that we were, we were, we were separated from birth. And yeah. well, that can't be him. Yeah. It makes me think of, um, like, when we first got married, I had this idea that, um, you know, everyone, you, 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 you know what you know, right? So like when I was growing up, my father always um, put us to bed at night and he would tell us bedtime stories. And um, I had this expectation that you're supposed to do that and you weren't doing that. Right. That's what a father does. Exactly. And I was so disappointed with you. But I do puppet shows. Exactly. That's my point. That like, you can so easily stifle something magical, you know? Like, our kids get to have these incredible puppet shows. Um, and I was so busy being, feeling like I was slighted. And my, our kids are slighted and... And you weren't living up to what you were supposed to be and how horrible you were. Um, and really there was something even more incredible that was, that was, you know, that was there. Yeah. That I couldn't, I, I wasn't allowing to be. Yeah. I love those puppet shows. I create these characters and the kids get like these whole worlds and it's right. like an, an imagination for them and, 
and all these ideas. And it's interesting. I think there's a lot of people that have these expectations, like, for example, from their parents. Right. And the truth is, that would be the only thing you would know about relationships. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense that, well, that's what my father does, and that's what you should do, because that's what my father does. But you're not my father. Yeah. So you do something different. And we almost overlook a lot of that beauty because we expect it. We, we shut down possibility. Yeah. What if your parents aren't a good role model for relationships? What well, if it doesn't you... have to be your parents, but people come with expectations, whether they're from their parents or from Disney or I don't know where, you but know? What if, you, I'm saying, what if you don't see, like you saw your father yeah. in that role of like, that is what it means to be a father. Like mm -hmm. sitting there on the floor mm -hmm. next to the bedroom mm -hmm. with a book in his hands, mm -hmm. reading some story about, you know, righteous Jewish people. Yeah. Or the Bible. Yeah. But what if you don't have a mark for that? What if you're, you know, what if you go into a relationship and you don't know what relationships look like because your parents weren't, for whatever reason, the kind of parents that you want to model your relationship after, that you see as a successful relationship? I mean, you have that. I, I, you're very lucky that way. I hear you, but I still, I still think it doesn't make you immune from having expectations, not having role models. People still manage to create fantasy expectations or right, they're just basing it off rom coms instead of their whatever, parents. Whatever, whatever, yeah, yeah. The art of um, marriage—I I don't even want, I like the word "the art of marriage," but like, okay. like, what is the the beauty of what is a long-term relationship? It's just so lost today. Everything is instant oatmeal. People expect things instantly. Mm -hmm. What is something? Okay, you said about you know about this like expectation, but what is something else that you think that you or I or we have worked on in our relationship that took time? And you see this like old wine, you know, the the Talmud talks about relationships like old wine. Like you see something that you know is is really it's it's taken years mm -hmm. to really kind of develop. Is there anything that comes to mind? Um, yes, but I, I don't know how practical this is for other people or if it's just a me problem <laughs> or an us problem. Um, mornings are really, really hard for me slash us. We're both like by nature night people. And, um, it's really taken me a long time to work on this, to let go. Um, and to leave room, I think, for you to step up and to, um, and to, sh and to like, to, to let you like be present. And yeah. I, I don't know if it's perfectionism or control or expectations. I don't know. What is your take on that? Like, I feel like. There's been so much, like it was such a, such a huge um, area of contention between us. Yeah. And somehow, like in the past couple of years, or maybe it's even just a year, I don't know, that like I've been able to like relax and let go. And it's been amazingly, it's been amazing for us and for the kids. And I, I don't, 
What, right. what is your take on how that how that shift has happened? Like even in the morning, <clears throat> I don't know how long it's been, a couple years, mm-hmm. where, I, where I most of the time take the kids to school. And I just felt years ago yeah. that I there was no space for me to do that. Like you had right. to do that. Right. There was no space in, in the family dynamic. Oh, and today I love it. I, I have such a beautiful time taking the kids to school. And it's like we have a whole routine even uh, I take uh, Yair and Kobe in and like I have a whole system and, and Yair, the two-year-old, yeah, just saying that for everybody else, yeah. uh, he likes systems and we have a whole mm-hmm. system of how we do it. I first take Kobe out and then him and then he waits and then he holds my hand and then he takes the, the fob and he is the one that does it. And then we bring Kobe to his class and he says goodbye to all Kobe's teachers. And then he has to look at the picture of Kobe on the wall. Mm-hmm. And then he has to look at the picture of the boy with the hat. Cause he loves hats. It's every day. And then we go down the hallway past the shovels. It's a whole conversation with the shovels. And I, I realized that like, and we have this whole routine and I do it every single morning, like groundhog day with him. Yeah. But he loves it. I think it was um, like last year or two years ago, I went to a parent-teacher conferences and one of the teachers of one of our kids was telling me how she was so impressed that, um, that there's like a podcast that you pay, play for the kids in the car and, the, and one of our kids knew so much about the weekly Parsha, maybe it was or something because you, you play it in the car. And I had this realization, like, I get so frustrated that you're not as, like, stressed about time in the morning like I am. And I get so worked up about them getting to school on time, and they're going to be late, and they're going to get in trouble, and why aren't you getting it together? And why aren't you getting stressed like I'm getting stressed? And um, I I think it's similar to what we were saying before about the bedtime routine thing. But, um, But actually, like they get to go to school with you and they, they enjoy that time with you. And they, they listen to these podcasts they enjoy with you and the teachers are impressed and, um, they're coming to school with all this, like with this good attitude. And instead of being like, so stressed out about being on time, like, like, and frazzled, like I am in the morning, like I can, I can let go and they'll be okay. Yeah. (laughs) The other day, I didn't tell you this the other day. We were in the middle of listening to a podcast and the kids wanted to stay in the car even after we got to the school. Okay. And then they were late to school. Even though we were on time, they got they were late. Oh. And so I had to write them notes and I wrote, Dear teachers, we were very busy learning in the car. I hope you can forgive us for being late. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a great time. Like, isn't that part of a parent's job to teach their children? I mean, mm-hmm. we so we mm-hmm. so easy pass easily pass the buck to everybody else, mm-hmm. like it's their job, mm-hmm. but it's really our job, right? And if we and such rare moments in this fleeting society, and everything is so quick, and 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 everything is happening, and you and I we live very 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 busy lives, yeah. and our children live very busy lives, that we miss the educational moments, and the educational moments, in my opinion, they're not moments you can plan. They're right. moments that just happen. And when they happen, you need to seize those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's so easy to get fixated on the, like, on the expectations and the, um, 
the like very specific vision of what you feel you need. And it's the same thing, like in different scenarios, but it's the same thing. Like, and then you, you miss these amazing opportunities that are just around the corner, right in front of your face. We, that's what I feel like is the wine at this stage in our life that like now we get to see sometimes it's by, sometimes it's by like active letting go or like active working on yourself that you, you're, you're consciously choosing to do something different. And sometimes it's just time that you get to, you have this like, um, you know, this like panoramic vision of time and you get to see that like wow there's something even better than i could have imagined yeah it's about being aware i think years ago i would have been so scared what is the teacher going to say what's the school going to say oh they're going to scream at me do i want to start off my morning having some kind of lecture by some teacher because i brought my kids late Mm mm-hmm And where today it's like, no, I want to have that moment with them. Mm -hmm. And that's my responsibility and my joy as a parent. Mm -hmm. And if I have to write a late note, I'll write a late note. Yeah. We haven't spoken about this so much before. For me, growing up, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of focus especially by my mother, about what it would be like being married. My mother is obsessed with marriage. My parents in general are obsessed with marriage, but my mother especially. I'll give you an okay. example. Okay. I, t- I know I've told you the story, but probably I haven't told you the story in a while. Okay. I was about 15 years old, and often my mother would send me to the grocery store with a shopping list. I often did shopping. Mm-hmm. I was the oldest of a big family and I took on different responsibilities. And that was one of the responsibilities is I, I shopped. Okay. And I was at this, I came back home from the store and I had bought everything on the list. And I even had my list and my pen and I checked off every single item on the list. And she says to me, you're missing something. And I said, what do you mean, Ma? I'm not missing anything. Mm-hmm. I bought everything you asked for, even like three pounds of cucumbers or whatever. I weighed the cucumbers. She said, when your wife, and this is the way my mother would talk to me as a teenager. Okay. When your wife sends you to the store to buy something, you always buy a little something for her. Just so that she knows that you were thinking about her when you were at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? <laughs> I'm laughing because we have the exact opposite argument. (laughs) You have a problem (laughs) when you go shopping. You buy too many extra things that are not on my list. And I'm like, couldn't you just stick to my list? (laughs) But that was the way it was raised. You're supposed to also buy something to make your wife feel like you were thinking about her. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to our conversation about expectations. Yeah. Right? That was, like, to me, that was what it was like to be married. And growing up in my home, it wasn't even, like, a thing that my mother did. It was literally she would say, and this is what you do when you get married. Mm-hmm. My mother was the is the mother of, of five boys. Okay. <laughs> and she really 
took that job very seriously of making sure that we would be good to our wives. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like now here I am and you don't even appreciate, not that you don't appreciate, but it's actually... A, like, it, it, wasn't, you know, it wasn't great advice for me. Right. It wasn't great advice for you. Yeah. Maybe for somebody else. And I yeah. think that maybe that plays to something else about, mm-hmm. about marriage expectations. And what can, here we are, we now have young adults in our house. And I think about, I have children that are the age of the children, like the child that I was when my mother started talking about what it would be like to be a husband. And I mean, I I think it's sort of, I mean, it can can apply to any relationship, friends, kids, spouses, whatever. Um, Pay attention to the person that you're in relationship with. Like read the audience. Yeah. What, what, what's, what's going to speak to them? What do they want? Right. We, there was, we, we, we ran, we had this comedy show last night and I saw certain comedians read the audience and certain comedians just kind of did their shtick yeah. and didn't read the audience. And it's such an important thing when you're anywhere. It's just, who are you talking to? Yeah. Are you talking over somebody? Are you talking past somebody? Mm-hmm. Like who are you talking to? Yeah. We end up having a lot of conversations with young couples because we're in a position and I always think how fortunate we are that um, I, as a rabbi, uh, perform a lot of weddings. Mm -hmm. And because of that, and I don't want to just show up at the wedding and say, hello, what's your name again? Yeah. And I spend a lot of time, as you know, with the couples that I marry And I want to make sure that that blessing is a real blessing, that Mm -hmm. I'm blessing their union. Mm -hmm. What do you think is, for the young couples, for the people that are getting married, what is it, what would you say would be a good piece of advice that you would give them in this day and age? Hmm. Like my mother told me, you know, go buy something extra. What would be your piece of advice? Um, to, to not get so stuck when you get upset. If you're upset and you want, um, you want your partner to apologize because you feel wronged, to not get too worked up about that. I think um, you can get into a stalemate of expectations of what you feel like you deserve. Right. And you end up winning the battle but losing the war. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. hard because you want to be right. Yeah. You want to you want to you want to stay true to your Right, but you can you can it, it, sometimes if you're if you're um if you're open a little bit and you're not so, if you're not too worked up, you can notice like um, the little, like the little openings for repair mm. that are available to you. That the rupture happens so that you can repair. Say that again. That the rupture right happens because there's a place, there's a need to repair and to, That's true. and the relationship yeah. grows as a result of that. Yeah. 
One of the things that I... But I... But, but I'm, I'm... Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, please. Like, I think... This goes back to expectations again, but like, it, it, when you feel like you've been wronged or you feel like the other person has done something that's really not okay, you feel like you deserve something. You deserve an apology or you or they should, you know... Notice that you're upset or whatever. Or read your mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're, if you're open to like, to those opportunities for repair, it might just be like a smile or, or you might just notice that maybe the other person is hurting and you could, you could say, uh, you look upset. Or, I'm sorry, you're having a hard day, or whatever. Just acknowledge the space. Acknowledge the experience. Let go. Let, Let go, go of the of the expectations for whatever it is. Yeah. <clears throat> but just be mainly to be open to opportunities for connection, even when you're disappointed, upset, or feel like you've you've been wronged. Just. It's great that you're saying this. Because so often when I'm sitting with couples, I feel the one thing that I want them to know before they get into their marriage, before they go to the chuppah, mm-hmm. is how to fight. Yeah. How to rupture and repair. How to, because every couple fights differently. How to be able to get through that mm-hmm. exactly of what you're describing of where you want to win the battle, but you end up losing the war. Like you, you want to put your feet in the ground and say, no, I'm going to hold my ground, but you end up losing the glue of the relationship. And mm-hmm. instead, you can turn that into a great opportunity, kind of like we were talking about before with parenting. Like there's moments in a relationship that they yeah. come and you didn't... Totally. You, you didn't plan it, but it happens. Yeah. And you have an opportunity to either become closer together or further apart. Right. You're so stuck on what you think you deserve that you're you're letting something amazing pass you by. Right. Speaking of that, do you think that patriarchy and women's lib has played a role in that? Hmm. I mean, I think society in general... Sh- you know, and, and, and like all all pieces of um, like pop culture have played a, a piece and a part in eating away at at um, at, re- at like relationships, right? Like today, today it's the you know the, the Barbie culture. Like you know, I gotta stand my ground, be my person. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I, I think that women's lib did a lot of great things to the world. Mm-hmm. But I also think at the same time, it did destroy the nuclear family. I, I think it's like, um, it's like any medicine, you know, we, we've, we're always like, um, through, through generations, we've had a lot of, uh, ailments that we needed to repair to fix. <laughs> And, um, and like any medicine you take, they have side effects, right? So 
in order to correct for, for, um, for inequality, we've, we've had to swallow a pill that left us with some other unfortunate side effects that now we're busy fixing. Right. But it just so happens to be that the side effect of the, of the week, the flavor of the week is relationships. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I think this conversation and other conversations like it are so important mm-hmm. because it could be, I don't know. I didn't live through the fifties, mm-hmm. but it seems to be that there was like this very wholesome nuclear family. Maybe there wasn't, maybe yeah, it's just, yeah, that might just be like, uh, you know, the movies yeah, or like this idea of like I the white picket so. fence and the lawn and the yeah. car and the, the, the two kids and the dog. But it seems to be, even today, when I look at couples who are married 60 years plus, you know my infatuation right. with talking to couples who have been married a long time and finding out their secrets, mm-hmm. it does seem like they often say that it just, that's the way it was, like that's the way it is. And, and a lot of the stuff that we have had to figure out, they just seem to have it innately, of course, here we are talking 60 years later, right? You and I are talking 19 years later. So maybe that's what it is. Hindsight is 2020. But today it's not obvious. That's for sure. That I can tell you. What, what, what is not obvious? It's how to build and sustain a long lasting relationship. It's not obvious. People don't know how to do it. The divorce rate is over 50%. Okay, but I'm going to play a little devil's advocate over here. Uh, just because people stayed in relationship for for a lifetime doesn't mean that they had a um, yeah. admirable or... Um, yeah, my point exactly. It's relationship my point, that you would want to It's my point exactly. There was, a re- there was more of an innate desire for that. That was a cultural thing. Whether yeah, it was right or wrong. They were culturally staying in relationships that were not so great. Or they could have been great. Right. But I think, I mean, you would know, maybe you would know. Um, but I feel like statistically, I read this somewhere, that um, in the past couple of years, the divorce rate has gone down. And that's because marriages are not on the rise, but people that do decide to get married are committed. And so they stay in those relationships. Yeah. Like today, if you're getting married, there's a good reason and you're going to stay there and you're going to work on that. And I love that. And you know what? I think that is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is people don't want to get married anymore. How does it feel? I'm just so curious, and I've never asked you this question. Okay, I'm listening. I'm all ears. <laughs> How does it feel to be married to someone who spends so much time talking about relationships? Huh, good question. I'll tell you the one thing I do remember. Okay. I remember that when we were filming Kosher Love, Yeah. at one point the director said to you, and I'd been filming, I think, already for a while, for a number of months. And they said, do you want to be filmed? And you're like, no. Okay. And they were, and then that night, you turned to me and said, 
the love rabbi who's talking all about relationships, I think they should find out about his relationship. Like they should know like who's this person that he's in a relationship with. And then you decided to, to be on camera after that. Well, I, I just felt it was like disingenuous. Like you can't, you can't do a film all about relationships and then never see the person's spouse. That would be a little bit weird. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I spend a lot of my professional life coaching and counseling singles and couples. Mm -hmm. Very few, few people ever hear from you. Mm -hmm. I think you speak enough for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you feel about it? Uh, hmm. Um... I guess, um, to be honest, I, I feel lucky. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it a lot that I would never do it without your support. Like I wouldn't talk and, and I, and I say this and I started off this conversation by saying this and I say this so often mm -hmm. that the only credential that I really have is our relationship. Mm-hmm. The flip side is that when we argue, it's a, it's a good, it's, it's a good thing to hold. It's a great thing to hold over your head. <laughs> like, how can you argue with me? If you're Mr. Relationships, you got to get this together. <laughs> yeah. And there goes never fighting dirty. <laughs> Meaning that, you know, when you fight, you always stay on target. What, what, the, what your partner, you'll always know how to push their buttons. Sure. You'll always yeah, know yeah, how to push yeah, their buttons. Yeah. yeah. This is fun. Often when we uh, sit and chat, one of our secrets to our conversations is uh, we like to open a bottle. Mm -hmm. We like wine. And uh, I think we have a bottle sitting in front of us. Okay. It's a Sancerre. Mm-hmm. It's a white. Yeah. And it has this very strong note of passion fruit, which is a note that you like. You like passion fruit. True. Yeah. And Thanks so, to my uh, my mother's South African roots. And so Sancerre, <laughs> does it remind you of your deep South African roots? Is that what it is? Yeah, something familiar. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, why I'm bringing this up, besides the fact that the bottle's sitting in front of us, mm -hmm. is that I really think that relationships, part of the glue of them is vulnerability and accepting influence from your partner. Mm -hmm. Years ago, I got into wine. Like I, I somehow, one day I, I realized that like I loved the, the subtlety and the complexity and I love knowing about the terroir and all the different things. And you said to me then, don't talk about your food. <laughs> Stop talking about your food. Just drink it. It's it, wine. Enjoy it. If it's good, great. If it's not, not, I don't want to hear about it. And, yeah. and, and like fine wine today, I would say you also enjoy some of the subtleties and complexity of various wines. And we have had many conversations. Uh, I still don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to hear what you smell in it. I don't want to hear what you, what, what random notes you 
taste. I'm not really interested. But, but I am I, I am thrilled that you like good wine because then I get to enjoy good wine with you, which is amazing. So fun. Well, maybe I, I, yeah. maybe it's a good thing that uh, we have a lot more to work for. Maybe I can influence you a little more. Okay, and okay. one day... Give, give us another 20 years. In 20 years, maybe I'll be talking about the notes that I sent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a little bit of... Um, what, what, what's that one? Um, wet dog. I sense a little wet dog in this one. <laughs> Barnyard funk. Oh. <laughs> Barnyard funk. But I think that something that we can teach... Yeah. And maybe that's coming out of this entire conversation mm-hmm. is playfulness. Mm-hmm. I think that that, and we have a wonderful uh, friend, friends, Dr. Yeah. Asael and Galit Romanelli, who mm-hmm. ta- taught us about playfulness in relationships. Yeah. We're still learning. Yeah. But I think that uh, we're much better at it now than we were years ago. That takes time, too. To be able to, instead of using vulnerabilities and weaknesses against each other, to be able to use it. To laugh in to those laugh moments. in those moments. To find them funny. Yeah. Yeah. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you for including me. Any last words before we sign off? Last sips. Here. Oh. Now you're going to pour the wine. This is, this is without wine, this conversation. I wonder how different the conversation would be with wine. Next time, next time. L'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim. L'chaim to, uh, to another 19 years? Does that work? Amen, amen. L'chaim. L'chaim.